turn to Matthew chapter 6. We are wrapping up a four-week look at some of the priorities of Jesus. These aren't the only four priorities of Jesus, but they certainly speak to the heart of the Lord, the heart of Jesus, and I think they help us better understand how to be followers of Jesus Christ. And before we get to Matthew chapter 6, I want to say thank you very much to Colin for his message last week. I thought he did a great job helping me better understand what passion looks like. Uh, Good job. Way to work hard. Colin's going to do great things. Serving the Lord. Will you clap for him right now? Give him a hand. This month we've looked at prayer on the 3rd. We looked at the poor and how do we respond to those who are in need on the 10th. Last week Colin talked about passion and today we're looking at possessions. And the the passage of scripture that we're looking at today is smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mountain. And I absolutely love this passage of scripture. I told you two weeks ago when we looked at Matthew chapter 25, I really struggle with that passage of scripture. I love Matthew chapter 6. I can't read Matthew chapter 6 enough. So let's look together at these six verses. Matthew chapter 6 beginning with verse 19. It says, do not Store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That could be a life verse for many of us. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, the eye of the lamp is the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money. The word of the Lord, Matthew 6. And right now, there's nervousness just kind of filtering through the sanctuary. I can feel it. Anytime we talk about money, anytime the preacher gets up and, and the topic of the sermon is one of the stewardship passages, we all get a little bit nervous. We all think, is he going to challenge us to do something radical? The answer, by the way, to that is yes. Am I going to be uncomfortable? You may be uncomfortable. Am I going to find some nugget that is in Scripture that I never thought was there before that's going to change the way I look at time and talent and treasure? Boy, I hope so. I really hope that that's the case for you this morning. And so to lighten the mood so that you can not be so tense and kind of just relax a little bit, I want you to take out your bulletin right now, and we're going to do a fun little exercise. That means you have to smile. Those of you that are frowning at me, smile right now. And what I want you to do is I want you to make a list of your five favorite earthly possessions. Go. Five favorite earthly possessions. What do you have that you absolutely love? And it doesn't have to be your house. It doesn't have to be your car. I have all five of my favorite earthly possessions actually in the sanctuary today, believe it or not. And this list uh, fluctuates from time to time. But write down your five favorite earthly possessions. Some of you are on number three. Speed it up a little bit, please. Number four. Okay. This is dangerous for me. But um, 
I like living on the edge a little bit. I want someone, actually I want several of you, to shout out in a big booming voice one of your five favorite earthly possessions. And just remember we are in church, okay? iPhone! That's right, iPhone! What's that? What'd you say? The clock? Okay, I, I, I can't hear. I've got ear, hear issue, hearing issues this morning. Somebody else, shout it out. Your wife. Okay, okay. Interesting. All right. That's great. Good answer. Huh? Your home. Okay. Your vehicle. Let me show you my five, and we're going to put the list up on the screen here right now. These are my five favorite earthly possessions. Um, and I didn't take people into consideration. So number one is my coffee cup here. I've had this coffee cup for 15 years. And I don't know why, but a cup of coffee just tastes better from this fishing coffee mug. And the really neat thing about this is this was lost for over a year. I thought someone had stolen it. Someone had went into my office and stolen this. It actually was in a closet in the cable building. And I just found it like a week and a half ago. So this wouldn't have been on the list typically. But I love that coffee cup there. Um, I love my Chicago Cubs blanket. Look at this baby right here. And what's really cool about this for me is that someone, probably one of you, this looks like a first service project, one of you made this for me. You didn't tell me who it was. I still don't know who it was, but I love to cuddle up on the couch with my wife by the fire with my Chicago Cub blanket. Look at that. Number three, and I don't know if we've ever had a bicycle in the church before or not, but I, I've waited years to get this bicycle right here. And this is um, a Trek road bike. Look how light it is. I'm not very strong, and look what I can do with this. I love being able to hit the uh, highway and, and dodge the, uh, the grain trucks with my Trek bike. I love it. These are, and don't come up and smell them because they probably don't smell very good, but these are my Under Armour cold gear pants. It was 12 degrees today when I walked the dog at 525 in the morning, and I put these babies on, and I was good to go. From here to here was warm as could be. And then number five, and I want you to know I practiced all week casting, and I was able to hit right down the aisle, so I'm going to try that right now and see if I can do Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. This is my Shimano Reel Bionic Blade Rod, and the smallmouth absolutely loved this rod and reel. So those are my five favorite earthly possessions, and I asked you this question this morning. Is there anything wrong with any of this? And I don't want to hear from Cardinal fans. I don't want you to say it should be a Cardinal blanket. That's not what I'm talking about. Those are good. Those aren't over the top. I paid a little bit more for the bike than, than maybe I needed to, but it's not top of the line. It's actually bottom of the line in terms of road bikes. Is there anything wrong with having earthly possessions that make us smile? Is there anything wrong with storing up for ourselves treasures on earth in a way that brings us satisfaction? The answer to that is no. But if we're not careful, it can get the best of us spiritually and keep us from being the Christ followers we are called to be. This message this morning is in two parts. Part number one is, why is storing up earthly treasures such a big deal? And part two is, how do we embrace the challenge of Jesus to store up treasures in heaven? 
And so I'm going to dive right in, part one. Why is storing up earthly treasures such a big deal? Earthly possessions, we all know this, can certainly bring us joy and fulfillment for a season. I absolutely love drinking a cup of coffee with that coffee mug. I absolutely love when stress is just bubbling up in my life to be able to jump on the bike and head out for a 30-mile ride. Earthly possessions can certainly bring us joy and fulfillment for a season. And almost everyone, I don't know that I've ever met someone that cannot attest to this next statement, almost everyone has mastered the art of storing up treasures on earth. If I went to your house or your trailer or your apartment, or if you're still living with your parents, to your bedroom, my guess is you could come up with a list probably greater than five of earthly treasures that you've stored up. And that's not bad, but my guess is you have piled together, compiled earthly treasures that bring you joy. And so this isn't about sell all your stuff. This isn't about if you have a bicycle, you should feel guilty. But what it is, It's a warning of the danger that can come into play. And here's the danger. Money and possessions can exercise power over us if we're not careful. See, when I went shopping for that new bike, uh, it costs a little bit more than I thought that it would. But I've been given several gifts, monetary gifts, to put toward a new bike. And I went in, and I had a pretty good idea what I was going to get. And I had a pretty good idea what my budget was. And I have to tell you, in that bike shop, the Decatur bike shop, I mean, there were bikes that were six times as much as that. And they had pictures with Lance Armstrong. Well, maybe not Lance. That's kind of a bad example. But um, non-cheating bicyclists that, that were on the, on, on the wall that you looked at and you just said, wow, if I had that bike, I'd really be something. If I had that bike, I'd really be getting somewhere in a hurry. The danger is if we're not careful, that lust That desire for more, that never being satisfied feeling can get the best of us. See, we have to be careful. We have to take a quick time out. We have to sound the warning siren from time to time. Because if we're not careful, money and possessions can blind us to the sin of greed. It can blind us to the sin of greed. If I were to ask you today, do you struggle with the sin of greed? And I could somehow do some magical transformation and nobody could see your response. My guess is less than 5% of you would raise your hand and say, yes, I struggle with the sin of greed. Because you know what the deal with greed is? That's always somebody else's problem and struggle. We're pretty good at throwing stones and casting judgment on other persons. Well, look at the car that they got. Well, look at the house that they have. Well, look at the clothes that they wear. Well, look at the road bike that they've purchased. We're pretty good at looking at others and saying, is greed a struggle in their life? But for many of us, we would never think that it was possible whatsoever to struggle with greed. We would say, that's somebody else's problem. That's not mine. I found out this week that in 1635 Boston, that's a long time ago, by the way, for you history majors, 1635 Boston, a guy by the name of Robert Kane was a member of the First Congregational Church of Boston, one of the great early churches in the history of our country. He was a businessman. 
He was doing very well for himself in his business, but he faced church discipline. Now, when I heard that he faced church discipline, I figured he might be doing something sexually that he wasn't supposed to, maybe an affair of some sort, or maybe there was some sort of a theft that went on, or maybe he was, uh, you know, not the patriot that many thought he should be. You know what he was disciplined for by the First Congregational Church of Boston? He was disciplined for the sin of greed because he was selling his wares for a 6% profit instead of a 4% profit. And the first congregational church of Boston in 1631 had decided that the most a businessman could make during that time was a 4% profit. We've thought about instituting that in Clinton, Illinois. Would Would that be okay? Any problems with that, anybody? Man, we hear that illustration and we say, well, that's extreme. That's crazy. What's their problem? What's their issue? And I would never say that we should be like the First Congregational Church of Boston in 1635. But I would say I failed you as your preacher. We failed ourselves as fellow Christ followers because we rarely talk about the problem of greed. We rarely talk about the struggle that greed can create for even the most conscientious follower of Jesus Christ. See, danger, be careful, money and possessions can exercise power over us because it can give us significance and security. We can say that if I have a, I don't know if I have any money actually, can't get in my wallet. I have some money here because I have some money here. I have safety, I have significance, I have security. Every day, when I leave my house, I make sure that I have my iPhone, Rebecca, I've got my iPhone with me, but I also make sure that I've got my wallet and my money. And you know what would happen most days if I left my house without my wallet and my money? Nothing, probably. I don't really spend very much money. Most days I have meetings over the lunch hour, so I don't even have to buy my own lunch. Rarely do I get stopped by my uh, friends and law enforcement in this area. I did say rarely, but rarely does that happen. But there's just something about that safety net, that security, that significance that really is helpful. Well, that's part one of the message, storing up treasure on, on earth. What's the big deal? Maybe it's not a big deal for you. Maybe you've really got this balance worked out in your life. But what I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about is how do we embrace the challenge of Jesus to store up treasure in heaven? And I want you to think about that for just a minute. How do we embrace this challenge by Jesus? Jesus said specifically, don't set your heart on storing up treasure on earth, but instead store up for yourself treasure in heaven. What's that look like? Well, it doesn't mean that we should respond by overreaction. And we're an overreaction kind of people much of the time. Anybody here ever overreact? Everybody should raise their hand right now. We all all kind of overreact at times to one thing or another. And what I would caution you with this morning is when you read Matthew 6 and you balance, don't store up treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, I don't think Jesus wants you to overreact. Jesus isn't saying that we cannot earn money. If you have a salary, if you make money, if you're able to provide for your family, Jesus isn't saying, shame on you. 
Jesus isn't even saying that it's a sin to make a certain amount of money. Sometimes people want to make the Sermon on the Mount the Sermon on the Amount. And how much can I make? And what kind of car can I drive? And what kind of house can I live in? You're not going to find that in Scripture. You're not going to find that. So Jesus isn't saying you can't earn money. Jesus isn't saying you can't have possessions. Even possessions we really enjoy. That bike's not going anywhere except to storage for the winter. I love that bike. And there's nothing wrong with having possessions that we really enjoy. Jesus isn't saying go home and have an auction and sell all your stuff. He's not saying that. He's not saying go home and liquidate all of your possessions and your assets. Now, I would say to some of us this morning, some of us have an overabundance that we never really tap into. I am guilty of that. My wife is in first service. I cannot lie. I have way too many clothes in my closet. Most of them never go on my body. And I think that's wrong to continue to, to let that happen. That's a good illustration, isn't it? You like that. You're smiling. That's right. That means I'm cleaning out my closet before grab and go. Some of you need to do the same. Jesus isn't saying you have dues to pay or forced obligations to meet. I will never stand up here and say you have to give blah, 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 blah. Or you have to do blah, 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 blah. When it comes to money or material possessions. You will never hear a mandate. You will be challenged. Hopefully you'll be challenged to the point that you're uncomfortable. But there are no dues. There are no obligations. I think one of the worst things that could happen is if people gave to the Lord begrudgingly. If people gave to the church with just a bad attitude, a bad spirit. Nobody wins when that happens. Here's what Jesus is saying, however. I think he is saying that each one of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we have to decide for ourselves who is my master. You have to decide this morning who is your master. I have to decide this morning who is my master. Verse 24 of our text today really makes it clear. No one can serve two masters. You're going to love the one. You're going to hate the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so how do we answer that question, who is my master? See, I think instead of overreaction, I believe Jesus is calling us to action. Jesus is calling us to action. Think just for a moment what you could do if you mastered verse 24 and you said, money will not be my master, but the Lord will be. Possessions won't be what really drives me, but helping people will be. What would that look like? What would our church look like? What would our community look like? See, Jesus is saying, if you want to get this mastered, you have to have the correct storehouse. You have to have the correct storehouse. Jesus is also saying you have to have the correct perspective. And it's hard to have a heavenly perspective of money and possessions with the world in which we live. We're already being blitzed with commercials for items you should buy that you really don't need, aren't you? I, I, I just can't believe the plethora of advertisements that are coming my way. I'm getting emails every day about the greatest deals that are out there on Amazon, 
or the greatest deals that are out there at, at Sears and Roebuck, or the greatest deals that are out there, just fill in the blank. And you know what I've started doing? I've just started deleting them. You know why? Because when I get Greg Taylor's top 10 list from Amazon, it starts to really address my heart. I start thinking, you know, I could use a bird bath. I really could. And I think to myself, I've already got a bird bath. Or maybe I think to myself, you know, I really need some new jeans. And I, I remember that I have like six pairs of jeans in my closet. And I'm not saying that's for everybody. And I'm not saying that you can't go shopping on Black Friday. Many of us will do that. But have the correct perspective. Jesus is saying, first and foremost, you have a choice to make. And I say that to you, every single one of you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a choice to make. He's saying pick God or money. Pick God or possessions. You may be saying, I thought you just said there's nothing wrong with possessions. I thought you just said there's nothing wrong with making a good salary, having money. There's not. But who are you serving? Where is your heart? The bottom line for you this morning is this. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I was reflecting back on when the grab-and-go began. And I, I got to be honest with you, I was not a big fan of the concept. And I actually missed the first grab-and-go. We were on vacation out east, and I wasn't a part of it. And um, I'm not a big garage sale fan. I know a lot of you love the garage sales, and God bless you. You know, they're going to be around forever. But um, we used to do garage sales here at FCC. And just kind of the smell of the building during that week was just more than, than I wanted to endure. So I just kind of had a bad attitude about it. And um, Cody was just a college kid at that point, and he said, just come to the December grab-and-go. And I didn't really want to come, honestly. It was a Saturday in December. I had other things I wanted to do. I was going to miss one of my kids' basketball games and didn't really want to come. And that morning, right then, right there, that grabbed my heart. To see people so joyful over 10-year-old blue jeans, over bicycles that I, I might not let my kids ride. Just the joy, just the excitement, just the, the passion that people had. To be able to get something that they didn't have. So many people that morning, I think that was December of 2009, said to me, Christmas is going to be special this year at my house because of this event. And this year, as we prepare for grab and go, that week's going to be crazy, December 8th to December 14th. And some of you, once again, will almost live at FCC getting ready for that day. You know who you are. And I say thank you to you. And when I read the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 21, I'm reminded that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. During the first century, the time of Jesus, people who were God-fearers, they were very familiar with the phrase, storing up treasures in heaven. It was a part of their vernacular. When Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures in earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, they knew exactly what he was talking about. There was no confusion whatsoever. If you were a God-fearer and you were challenged to store up for yourself treasures in heaven, that meant sacrificing your wants to meet someone else's needs. Sacrificing your wants to meet someone else's needs. In your bulletin, 
We, we have a purple sheet of paper. I'd like you to pull that out right now. And in just a moment, Ruth's going to play. And in just a moment, um, we're going to sing if you want to sing. If you don't want to sing, you don't have to sing. The words are not going to be up on the screen. It's I Surrender All, number uh, 596. Ruth, we're, we're going to do all four verses of uh, I Surrender All. I'm not going to ask you to stand during this time. But what I am going to ask you to do, are you interested in this morning in seeing the church be the church? Seeing the church be the church. I want to challenge you to step outside your comfort zone this morning. I want to challenge you to think of how you and your family, whatever group you're a part of, can take seriously this challenge to store up for yourself treasures in heaven. We have three suggestions that we want to invite you to be a part of and we will assist you with. We have the baskets that are up front. If you are prepared this morning to give financially, we are raising money to help people who were devastated last Sunday morning by the tornadoes in Washington and in Gifford. You can give cash. You can make checks out to FCC. We're going to buy a whole bunch of gift cards and we're going to bless people that are in need this week. Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to actually have an exercise for your entire family. And maybe you want to go to a place like a Walmart and buy a gift card. Or go someplace like a Menards or a Lowe's or Ace or something like that and buy a gift card. We're going to be accepting gift cards for families in crisis all week long. Next Sunday morning when you come to church, we're going to announce what Thanksgiving week at FCC, the church being the church, look like. A third thing that we're challenging people to do is to dig deep and give diapers and baby wipes. And we're going to split those between the grab-and-go and and we're going to bless the New Life Pregnancy Center in Decatur, Illinois, one of my absolute favorite parachurch organizations. But maybe you don't want to do any of that. Maybe what you want to do is you want to say, this week I'm going to take my family and we're going to go to the nursing home and we're going to be a blessing to people that are spending Thanksgiving in a nursing home. Maybe you're going to say, I know of shut-ins who are going to spend Thanksgiving by themselves and I'm going to bake them cookies this week and I'm going to take them cookies and give them a hug in the name of the Lord. I challenge you this morning to step outside the box of your comfort, to step outside the box of just doing church. I challenge you this morning to be the church. And we've given you this piece of paper. So you can write down what you're going to do. Don't write down any names. Don't write down any specifics. But I invite you to put on this paper what you feel the Lord is calling you to do. And as we sing our song of invitation to come forward and to place this in one of these two baskets. Let's be the church. Let's store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Let's make a difference. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for how you bless us. And God, I'm just reminded this morning that we live in the greatest land on the face of the earth. A crisis for so many of us is our favorite sports team loses or our car breaks down or our power is off for a couple hours and we're annoyed. But Father, all around us this morning, 
There are people that woke up and they don't have a house anymore. Many of them don't know Jesus. In three weeks, many from our community are going to come for grab and go. They don't have a lot. Many of them don't know Jesus. Help us to get excited about being the church. Help us to be excited about making a difference. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 596, I surrender all. I invite you to come forward this morning and to begin storing up treasures in heaven. never grow tired of the church being the church. 
I hope you never grow tired of taking seriously the challenge to store up treasures in heaven. I think that many times the greatest enemy of the church is the church. I think too many times the world that's watching can't believe what they're seeing. They can't believe the conversations that take place. They can't believe what gets said at McDonald's. They can't believe what gets said at the coffee shop. And I think they probably think to themselves, why would I ever want to be a part of a group like that? Why would I ever want to be a part of a group that just talks bad about themselves and slanders themselves and beats up themselves and hates? I hope that this morning and this week and early next week when we travel to Washington and we travel to Gifford, there'll be some that don't know Jesus that'll say, now that's something I can get excited about. That's something that I want to be a part of. That's a group that gets Jesus. That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for you. Let's stand together. We're going to close our service with a word of prayer. Thank you for responding this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for the opportunities that, that we have in front of us to make a difference, to store up treasures in heaven. God, this morning I pray for those in Washington, those in Gifford, those through all central Illinois and, and other states that have faced devastation. And it's my prayer that through a gift card, through a hug, through encouragement, through physical help, we can shine our lights so brightly. People will never mistake what being a follower of Jesus is all about. Father, thank you for the grace and hope that we have because of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.